Welcome to the Mill Creek View, Tennessee podcast with your host, Steve Abramowitz, Editor-in-Chief of the Mill Creek View newspaper. Welcome back, friends, to the Mill Creek View, Tennessee podcast. We are focusing on the volunteer state and our nation today with always an interesting person making a positive change in our community. This time, special guest, Jeff Richfield. But first, for more information about the stable of Mill Creek View podcast, visit us anywhere you get your podcasts and socials at Mill Creek View. Tennessee, Washington, and Florida. While you're there, please subscribe. It's totally free to you. Welcome to our People in the News episode, where I interview people who are making an impact and are lovers of truth. Today, we are talking with author Jeff Richfield. Jeff Richfield is an eight-figure entrepreneur, prayer revival enthusiast, declaring God's word, best-selling author, blockchain expert, co-founder of Seed Coin and Coin of Compassion, he is also the visionary behind Eagles Landing, a 70-acre missions base located 12 miles from Nashville, Tennessee. Jeff is the husband and father of the Jay family, loving husband of wife Jody for 31 years. They have three wonderful children, James, Jacob, and Jessica, who live in Jolton, Tennessee. Jolton means place where Yahweh is Elohim. In 2001, the Lord showed Jeff that there would be a city on its knees, which he turned into a book and video about repentance reconciliation, and national revival. Then 9-11 happened. Through this experience, Jeff has impacted thousands of prayer entrepreneurs, Godpreneurs, by delivering his knowledge live and virtually in many countries. He now works with his team to ensure that Americans are prepared for the coming global economic crisis. Jeff offers solutions for preservation of food, health, and wealth. Hello, Mr. Richfield. Don't crash your car. How are you today? What an amazing introduction. Thank you so much for that. I hope Wonderful I did you justice. You're an amazing person. Well, I just, I'm so grateful you guys are in Tennessee, the volunteer state. No wonder you're so cool. Well, I am, but that guy in the <laughs> green shirt is not so cool. He lives in the Emerald State behind the Iron Curtain. Um, where are you speaking to us from? I am in Nashville, Tennessee. Yes. Um, basically, uh, you know, just <laughs> I'm outside of Nashville and Jolton. And basically, that is the town where Yahweh is, Elohim. And there's an open heaven there. It's an exciting spot. And we are actually next to the Trail of Tears. Um, and you, sometimes we find arrowheads on our property. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they pass right through there. That is true. Sad right. times. So you've written three books, I believe. Uh, 21 Days of Fasting and Praise with a Z, P-R-A-Y-Z, A City on Its Knees, and the newest I am I am, I have, discovering godly character as your new bottom line. Can we talk about 21 days and city on its knees about 9-11 first? Yes, yes, 9-11. So back in 2001, I didn't have a, I say, experience with God. My experiences with God are usually a knowing in my gut. I don't have like an open vision, like some people say, or an angelic visitation, although it may have been an angel. But usually it's a confirmation where... I just learned to know this is God's voice. He speaks to me as a knowing in my gut. And it's like a revelation. Like I could get a whole download that might take a half hour to read in a minute. Right. And so um, I was in my woods and just before 9-11, about see, four months before that. And I saw a city on its knees and I thought it was Nashville. And to me, that was a city in prayer, a city that knew what it meant to walk the road of repentance, reconciliation, 
revival. And so I had that thought in my head. And then I saw, uh, I said, what would you say, uh, hardship coming. Uh, and so back in Y2K, I had this idea that that would be a big deal, Y2K. And I was one of the guys that got prepared with generators, food, because I wanted to help people. And like a Joseph strategist, because I had all this land and I wanted to be a blessing. And so this situation came up where 9-11 was a real deal. But of course, Y2K wasn't. And so I had uh, gotten a revelation to build um, an ark. And so I built a tabernacle, which is a prayer center on the land. And when I got that done, I had this idea, this vision, this knowing that uh, 9-11 was going to be a big deal. I didn't know it was New York City. I didn't know the planes were going to crash. But I had, um, I'd say, uh, in a, not an intuition, a premonition from the Holy Spirit. So that night, I got up at about 3 in the morning. <clears throat> this was about a month before 9-11. And I had an uh, idea to write out 12 chapters with 12 pastors, 12 chapters with 12 pastors of our city, of what it would look like to have repentance, reconciliation, revival, and Steve Mansfield's a friend of mine, and we did some background on Nashville and, you know, some of the idolatry in the land like the Parthenon and some of the geographic <clears throat> buildings that are all Masonic in some ways and the Greek mythology that some of them have. And so we put together this book, then 9-11 happened. And the funny thing, sir, was that it was supposed to be called Nashville, a city on its knees. But when it went to print, Nashville was gone. Then 9-11 happened, and I go, oh, my gosh, it was more than about just Nashville. The God is calling all cities to be in prayer, heartfelt prayer, to build a canopy of prayer for what's coming. So, of course, that was many years ago. And then um, every year I go through a 21 fasting uh, from January 1st to 21st. So <clears throat> 21 days of fasting and praise is a result of this last year. And the Z on praise, 21 days of fasting and praise with a Z for zeal. So that is, if you know the, the zealousness of, of Phineas, he was one who had great zeal for God. And he stayed the plague because of his zealousness for God. And we were going through the end of COVID. And so that's why I put the Z on the end of praise. Hmm. So that's a 21 day, 20 minutes with God sort of uh, walk along. And I do a videotape on YouTube of that for each day. And so God gives me the knowing, and then I just write like a scribe what I feel the Holy Spirit is sharing. Are you a, a pastor, or have you actually had any seminary, or are you a person just like me who uh, wants to do better? I study the Word. I have been asked about getting a seminary, but I have not. But I'm studying all the revivals, many of them of old, from Wesley to Whitfield and and the Jeremiah Lamphere in the 1850s you know, and just love the word of God. I mean, every day it's on my knees in prayer for 45 minutes, going through the book of Proverbs every day, of course, because there's 31 Proverbs. And the wisdom that God gives freely is that the Holy Spirit is the teacher of truth. So you don't need that anyone teach you if you are a student of this word. Amen. Amen. Um, all right. So a little more secular question here. Uh, Eagles Landing published your your last book, City on Its Knees. You self-published this one. Uh, the publishing business fascinates me. I, you know, in the in the podcasting business and financial business, it has nothing to do with publishing. I do produce a newspaper, but it's my own. 
they become like the gatekeepers to truly great ideas like other woke companies and censorship, of course. And it's a shame. Did you ever try and have hard time or get rejected with any of the mainstream Simon and Schuster or Random House types out there? Thomas Nelson was the first one I approached because they're in Nashville with the city on his knees. I sent them the script and it just wasn't the vein of what they were carrying at the time. And to t- tell you the truth, I don't make money on my books like maybe maybe some bestsellers do. They're really about cards. I hand out my books mostly. I give them away for free because I want people to have the information. <laughs> and that may not be the smart business move, but uh, maybe maybe many of them read it and give me um, you know testimonials about the books. But uh, the latest one I wrote actually just came out last month, which is Prayer Seven Days a Week, and that is basically an on ramp to teach people how to take 10 minutes with the Lord in the morning as a prayer, I guess, inspiration. And from that launching pad, they can go into uh, different levels of prayer. So I start off with, you know, revving up your engines. (laughs) We have a time where we, we say certain declarations. And I've learned that using these declarations over the years changed my life. So I basically just take the wisdom that the Lord's given me and each day is a different out of the seven days each day is a different on-ramp if you will so there's isaiah prophecies in one day the next day may be apostolic prayers that i shift i shift them into the first person and so um the fear of the lord will be the next day and i make these declarations of the scripture as i'm speaking it to myself and so i have the fear of the lord you know don't seek it i have it we claim that because of power of our tongue and so I find that that worked for me in my business, that I would set up a business and make certain declarations that I was looking for. And they can't, they come to you when you believe the power of the word. And if you believed this uh, adamantly, as adamantly from a young age all the way to now, or is this a recent conversion for you or, or a, a born again amazing. type of What a good question. So when I was seven years old, I love that show, Lassie. Remember the dog on Lassie? Sure. And I didn't have a dog. And I would cry at night, God, I want a Lassie. And one day a dog like, showed up on our doorstep and it looked just like Lassie, but it was a boy, so we called him Laddie. So mm-hmm. right then I felt like I had a kingdom connection. I didn't, I didn't have the word kingdom. I felt like I had a, a genie in a bottle. I could pray what I want and my God would answer. But of course I found out God is not a genie after the years. But... Uh, when my mom was into a actual therapy course called positive thinking, and this is back in 1972, right? I'm 60 years old and it was a positive therapy thing. She would take me to this class, uh, sort of like Tony Robbins in a way, but positive wording and how positive affirmations can change your life. So I got this kind of, I guess, uh, basic foundation when I was seven, eight, nine years old and it stuck with me. And so I do use that positive you know, now it's biblical, the word of God. And I, I transform people's lives using declarations through the power of healing, through the power of getting people out of depression and just praying it with a belief that's faith filled, right? Don't have to scream, but faith filled makes a difference. Wow. Thank you. Um, so June 16th, 3.33 a.m. is pretty specific. Tell us what happened to you at that moment, please. Right. My body is set up as an alarm clock. I usually get up at 4.30 without an alarm clock to hit, to hit my knees in prayer. So I'll, I'll get up, you know, and go in um, 
start speaking in tongues and kneel down. I have a closet where I have my Bible. I have uh, different sorts of prayers for people. I love interceding. I, I love to pray. I just, I just love it so much. And I guess I got that too from Mike Bickle at IHOP when I was a student there for a while. But at 3.33, this June, this June 16th, I got up at 3.33. And the Lord sometimes picks that number. And I, I woke up this night like, really? 3.33, Lord, come on. <laughs> so I crawled out of bed, you know, and later I realized Jeremiah 3.33, behold, I will show you wondrous things you know not of. So that's why I believe this 333 came from. So I went into my prayer closet and I saw a flag at half mast. It was black and white. It had scars and stripes on it, not stars and stripes. It was beaten and bruised. And I said, Lord, what is this all about? Did somebody die? And I just, I heard, I heard the word look again, not heard, but no, I just felt look again. You know, my conscious mind hears the word, but I don't like audibly hear that. And that's how I got to know the Lord's voice. So some people doubt that and they think it's themselves talking, but usually it's more uh, leaning on the side that it's the Lord's Holy Spirit. Uh, so within me. And so if we're a living tabernacle, we have the, the I am within us. That's why my other book, I am, I have. If you have the great I am, you have what he has, but you have to walk it out and live it out. You can't just say it and not believe it or say it and believe it, but not walk it out. Right. That's what uh, that comes with proving it in action, right? Commencement. At any rate, I saw the flag. I double take, looked at it again. And he said, well, he didn't say, <laughs> when I say that, what I mean is I heard a knowing mm -hmm. and it was um, America is, is dying. And I said, oh, you know, I screamed as high because I love our country. I am a new patriot by all matters. I love our flag. I love our founding fathers, what they've done. For our next generation, I cried out, Lord, not judgment now, Lord. Can you spare us? He said, basically, it's not, it's basically, it's not time for that. It's time for harvest. Focus on the harvest to come in September. And so I looked ahead at the September in my spirit, and I already knew there was a couple big events happening in Nashville. Wowjam.com, if you ever heard of Wowjam, they come in with a semi and the truck unfolds. And they baptize people. It's amazing. And Steve and Linda Tavani have done a great job with that. They'll be here September 30th. And then Senator Mark Pody, me and him got together. He wound up writing a proclamation for me for a three-day fast in July. And he's bringing the tabernacle to Nashville on September 30th without knowing about this other event. And it's life-size tabernacle items. So if any of you are out here in Nashville on September 30th, write that on your schedule. Down here, downtown, we're going to have a walkthrough of the living tabernacle with people dressed up like Levites. They're going to take them through the tabernacle, just like a priest would of old. And they're going to open the drape at the end, the shroud, and the cross will be behind it. And we can have people come to the Lord then. Wow. And Senator Pote has become a friend. And he's been telling me, the king is coming. That's what the Lord told me to tell everybody. The king is coming. And so that's his motto right now. So, so much to share with you in a little time, but really quickly to just move ahead to the billboards we're putting out now in Nashville called Pray Nashville. Pray Nashville. And his his signature is going to be there, Mark Pody, the king is coming, Pray Nashville. So we're making a canopy of prayer, and we're calling 200 people to pray 24-7 throughout the week to unite many churches. Wow. All right. What's the date on that? 
Uh, so we're going to launch that on 9-11. And 9-11 is interesting date, of course, as we know. Yeah. Uh, we will never forget. And so Pray Nashville goes live on 9-11. And that will be 180, I'm sorry, 172 gatekeepers praying the common prayer, which George Patton used to, to really landslide the victory, is what he said. Because when he was in the battle in Frey, they handed a prayer out to all their men. And it's a common prayer. It's three minutes long basically asking God for help in a nutshell. And so we're using that same prayer to turn the tide in the evil that we see in our time. For Nashville goes, so goes the nation. As you know, the Battle of Franklin was in the Civil War, and it was one of the bloodiest battles. That changed the whole Civil War when they won that battle. And so it helped the good side to win. And so many people say, so goes Nashville, so goes the nation. So if we can model this prayer we believe it'll catch fire across all cities of the earth. Wow. Well, that is ambitious, but that is amazing. Um, yeah. That's a, a month and nine days from today. All right. Yes. So yeah. um, tell us about your other interests besides author. Uh, how did yes. you first come interested in blockchain technology and what inspired you to become an expert in it? When I was uh, 12 years ago, I was a Forex trader in the markets before blockchain really existed. And we had created these uh, things called black box robots. They would trade the market and scalp the market for certain profits. So we had sort of a hedge fund at that time. And um, we would go to the money game show. And my dad was Tom Richfield. He passed away from cancer. But he, he gave me that entrepreneurial spirit that I switched into a godpreneurial spirit. So he is, his whole venture was IPO markets, taking companies public, you know, reverse mergers, acquisitions. So I have that DNA as a business person in me. And then of course, when Bitcoin came out, we started doing our own mining projects and we created our own blockchain coin, the coin of compassion. So that coin of compassion is there. And right now it's sort of an icy time for minor, uh, minor cryptocurrencies. So I've shifted my energies toward tiny homes to build because we believe there's gonna be a lot of people that need housing. And so I sold my roof company here in March and uh, came out on a good side financially so that I can now be a part of building the kingdom, kingdom education, kingdom food, kingdom living, kingdom economy, right? And kingdom housing. And so I help people create their ark. And so what does that mean? It's abundant resources for kingdom living. And so I help with wealth in passive income streams. If people go to my website, jeffrichfield.com, you can go ahead and get a calendar consultation for 45 minutes with me and I review your financial worksheet and I'll show you some passive income strategies that are making millionaires right now using blockchain. It's not about just buying Bitcoin and holding on to it, but it's about um, knowing where to put your money at the right time. So I'm not like a trader, but we have automated strategies that return incredible amounts of return money. I can help people get out of debt and it's not risky. I mean, I got to put that in quotes. I'm not a financial advisor. I just I just share with people with what I'm doing. So when I sold my company, I traveled to Australia and Spain and found some of the owners of these passive income strategies, got to meet them. And it's really true. Some of the things that are happening out there are phenomenal. And you just have to know when to get in, when to get out. So I help people with the financing on the food. I help people develop a plan, sustainable living, hydroponics indoor uh, tower gardens so that you can grow your own vegetables in your house. And, um, you know, for health, 
I have different products. We created one called, <clears throat> um, I'm sorry, it's called Def- Viral Defense. Viral Defense will be out at the end of the month here. And that's one of our own products. It's a powder with black tea. And I, I lined up with Dr. Bartlett in Texas, who helped a lot of patients get out of COVID to be healed. He healed thousands of people with budesonide. So I come up with our own concoction. It's a powder with black tea, barley, and um, zinc. Vitamin D is a hot liquid that you take at the first sign of congestion, and it clears you up. Truly amazing. It is. Um, uh, you moved on a little bit to, to your science background, but can you explain like in simple terms what blockchain is and how it works? Sure. Sure. On the blockchain. So what that would be look like is code. And basically these, um, these is all it, the blockchain means a chain of, um, it's a safe chain where you can uh, not lose things on it. So basically if you have cryptocurrency, it's a blockchain, like the fed now just came out. And that will help checks to be cashed faster. And there's a good side to that. And there's not a, there's a darker side, which is the feds can control then seeing where we spend our money, how we spend it and what we spend it on. And so the detrimental side of that is people come into power and greed can develop. And you know sometimes the government can become so power happy that they become control happy. So I call Fed now really about Fed control. The blockchain technology is supposed to be built so that you can have a safe way to buy and sell and transact. So it'd be seamless and that people could be autonomous and that would be secure in all ways. And so there's a thing called miners and miners are out there and they're basically <clears throat> burning coins as they mine these coins. It's a pretty scientific process. We have that too. It's mining Bitcoin and, and other types of coins. But in the end, it's supposed to be a better way than fiat money because we know the dollar can transmit disease, it's paper, and you know it's not really worth something other than what we say it's trusted to be used in currency. But we have things now that are out there like Goldback, and Goldback is a company that I'm investing in that has real dollar bills lined in gold, and it's fantastic value. Um, so I'm getting that to be sponsored in Tennessee. Uh, I was going to pull one of those out for you to see, and um, it's there's a quarter ounce Troy gold in these little bills that look like dollars. And basically it's uh so this one's at 10 and uh, it's really worth $40. Cause there's, you know, a quarter ounce of gold in there. So it's four times the value. You can actually trade with these right now on the street. If the owners of companies will take them, this is real gold better than fiat money because you know, fiat money is just paper. So if you have an owner of a company that understands the value of gold, he would take this in a heartbeat. They're already using it in Utah and 12 other states. So my plan is to sponsor it here in Tennessee as a backup in case the fiat dollar goes out. Then we have smaller ounces of of gold that we can use. They have ones, fives, tens, twenties, and 50 bills. So that's the smartest thing I've seen where you can carry gold and use it to buy and sell. Isn't Mm. that genius? Yeah. Um, so how do you see blockchain disrupting various industries in the future? That's a good question. Well, we saw how blockchain can disrupt, uh, the banking system like FTX, right? They did something that was very nefarious and they actually helped to fund the the democratic party. Uh, I even heard that he was involved with Ukraine, uh, before the war started. So there's something about Mr. Sam there. It doesn't sound right, but 
it, like it's supposed to be a good thing, you know, how it can be disruptive is that if the Fed now uses it to disrupt personal private citizens' lives, if they decide to take taxes out at a whim and say, you owe $25,000, Jeff Richfield, we just took that out of your account. We know that you have it because we can see it in your bank account. Then that could be used as a, as a power grab and, and not a good way. So the control aspect of blockchain on the government side can be very detrimental to us. And that's why you have people like the governor of Florida not wanting to use the new CBDC coins that are supposed to be coming out, right? He's already rejecting that, doesn't want it to be used in this state. So, um, yeah, there's a spiritual battle going on here, and it's a power grab. Unfortunately, I think that we, uh, we, we need to have more unity and make the right votes so that we can have the right people in place to be good leaders, right? That's yeah. how we got into yeah. this whole mess in the first place. And so and I he, coined the phrase all in here. Yeah. All in is the phrase I coined. And that's the alpha and omega. The alpha and omega is God. If you're all in him, right? That's the idea here. Uh, regarding. Um, regarding your blockchains? life. Uh, oh, just for yeah. life, lifestyle, yeah, yeah. not for coins, but for lifestyle. <laughs> Sorry about that. I went that's off okay. on a tangent. No, yeah. that's perfectly fine. We only have so much time. Um, I do want to. I do want to pick your brain a little bit about crypto. But um, like, how do you? Can you share an example of real world use case where blockchain has made a significant positive impact? Yeah, if Ethereum is a, a ETH, Ethereum is a smart contract, and so it's developed so that you could get work done faster in smart contracts that they use. So in the in the terms of business. Uh, for example, on the roofing, roofing industry, you have insurance companies, right? And they have a check uh, and they give the, usually the 50% of the check when the roof is damaged. And then they give the last half after it's, uh, you know, the roof is finalized. You have to go through all these different steps, literally tens and 20 and 30 different steps to get that money. Now on the smart chain, we're already devising a way where you would have an understanding on both parties that as soon as that building is uh, the roof is put on you use the smart chain to pay the bill immediately so we don't have to go back and send in a certificate of completion and we don't have to uh, beg the insurance company to send the check uh but it's all done in an instant instant that way that would be a, a an amazing transformation for the roofing industry that i was in because trust me it takes months sometimes to get the check from the insurance company because it's held up somewhere where the adjusters out out or sick and yeah, it just gets to be a runaround, right? So that's the, an example. The red tape and the bureaucracy, so it has the ability to cut that yeah. down to, to a lot. And when you, and another example is when you put money into Gemini, for example, in exchange, it can take up to a week for your check to clear, even if it's a transfer uh, between a bank. Seven days. Uh, it still bewilders me how that could be five to seven days, but it's supposed to be fast now. With the Fed now, it should be overnight. It shouldn't take that long. They have to still clear that check, even though the money's, you know, there. It's not really there until it gets there in today's world. But when the Fed now thing really goes live, when they activate it, which they should have already done, then it should be instantaneous. No wait to get checks cleared. Okay. The same as sending money over like PayPal. Um, how do you see the regulatory landscape evolving for blockchain and cryptocurrencies? And what challenges does that present? <sighs> Yeah, what a question, right? We see how the SEC has tried to come and be the big boys and act like they want to have some control and protect citizens, which is their job. 
right? And so they sued Ripple and XRP that they are security and they should not be in business. They lost that battle, then they appealed it. And I'm not sure where that appeal stands right now at the SEC and Ripple. But, you know, other countries are are not that constrained and they can do it what they want. And so a lot of these companies now are moving out of the United States because they don't want to deal with the red tape. Unfortunately, we're United States citizens. We can't be involved with so much of the, I guess, decentralized platforms. And so, you know, people do get taken advantage of. So you do have to be smart. But I just feel like the SEC is overreaching in some of these ways where they could be more free to help us, let us decide as human citizens, U.S. citizens, what we want to get involved with. What do you think the most promising blockchain consensus mechanism is and, and why? Is it your goal? Right now, that- right now, Bitcoin is, you know, the, the main one that even the SEC acknowledges is a good play, right? But I do expect to see that go to 100,000, but maybe not till next year. Right now, it's just wavering at 30,000, but it's going to go into a half mode next year, too, where they're going to take the Bitcoins and half them. So... You know, there's only so many Bitcoins that have been made. And so I guess your question is, where do I see the future in cryptocurrency and blockchain? You know, I think everybody wants to move ahead to a smarter, smarter way than a dollar bill. We all know we can't print any more money, right? We're already trillions in debt. The Fed now knows that. That's why they came out with that Fed now. Their next step is the Fed coin. It'll probably be used as the welfare of the citizens of the world first as a trial, possibly. I'm not sure. But I know that other countries like the BRICS nations are coming together with their own currency. So we can see there's definitely a battle for the currencies right now. And so to me, it was, you know, first they were under our attack of our health with COVID. And now they're going for the jugular with our economy and our and our money system. So we believe there's only like six or seven top banks that are in control, like you know, Wells Fargo, Citibank, and some of the big boys and they want to have just control honestly and i understand their thinking but it's it's this it's a free america so we got uh we got to think about that right it's a free free america here that we're dealing with how so i can't tell the future. how do you envision blockchain and other emerging technologies such as ai and iot working together in the future right working together so the ai side scares me of course there's just so much that unravels in my mind about the possibilities of that. I have now an email AI system that can reply to any emails that I get. And it's pretty spot on when I use it, right? So that's a good thing. And then you think about the power of that. You know, that's that's a lot of power in one person's hand if they push the wrong button. And then I go and see the movie, uh, what Mission Impossible, and the, the movie that's coming out this month is about an AI that takes over the world and a nuclear explosion from the AI machine. It's almost, I hate to say prophetic, but it's scary because that could happen. You know, I remember war games when I was a kid, that, that always was a fear (laughs) out there. Um, Are there any specific blockchain projects or initiatives you are currently involved in or excited about besides the the gold back uh, currency you had in your hand? Yes. I'm really excited about uh, one that we have going on in Loganoff. Loganoff is an island off the coast of Haiti. We have the rights to provide solar power there because I was in the roofing. And we want to get them power because they're using generators. There's 100,000 people there that have gas generators, and it's not a good way to live. So we are using uh, blockchain for land. 
and it's sort of like a timeshare where people can come in for $30,000 and own a piece of the property there. We can actually develop beachfront property there. <clears throat> so, excuse me. So, we're using the blockchain in that. So, it's tokenized land assets. So, that's one of the first. I, I don't know many people that are doing that with real estate right now, but it's an exciting idea. And so, we provide a note uh, when somebody gets in for 30000 and then that it's tokenized in the land so that that asset is tokenized and the um, the land uh, owners are all together, you know, we're like, like, like a timeshare in a way, but you get better incentives than that. And so you can actually have voting rights um, and some of the things that we build out there. So that's an exciting project. We're raising money for that right now off the coast of Haiti, Loganoff Island. It's a paradise island. It's not criminalized. It's where a lot of the Haitians retire, the wealthy ones. And so it's only about 30 by 15 miles. Paradise, blue ocean, beautiful place. So that one is the one that we're looking at. The other one is still with the RX seed coin that we generally have now. And that's promoting health and, uh, and poverty. Um, we basically we tokenize giving away food. So we do food drives. Okay. And so people come down and share food through big truckloads of food. And so the seed of the, the, the coin of compassion is about food and getting people who are hungry off the streets. Wow. And how do you stay up to date on the latest developments in the blockchain space? And do you have any recommendations for others seeking to learn more about it? Sure. Yeah. Basically I have my team of people. I have my brother who is very involved with that and two, two other folks keep their eyes on the news on blockchain. And so every day I, I peek into my exchange wallets and, you know, and our passive income stream opportunities are usually going through blockchain. So for example, uh, one of those programs is Blue Ocean Society and the trader is doing returns of about 40% a month. And so we pay out about 20% to our, to our partners involved in that. It's about 3,000 involved with that Blue Ocean Society. And we help people get set up so their own bank account offshore too, legally. So we can create LLCs, create a trust, and people can be sovereign citizens in another country and provide them with an ATM card that's legal. So you can use uh, wealth worldwide. Wow. In your opinion, what are the most significant roadblocks that hit, that's hindering the mass adoption of blockchain technology? Oh boy, I can tell you that in a heartbeat. Today, for example, it took me a half an hour to get uh, one wallet connected to a Tron wallet to connect to another one so that you can make an investment. There still seems to be this delay and understanding and the average person on the street wouldn't be able to work through that without being trained or coached. The idea that I want to fund my wallet in one of these passive income streams, but first I have to get from one uh, from one one level of a coin to another from a Tron wallet to my Gemini exchange. And then you have to do a coin swap. And so you have to copy paste the wallet address into your email. And there's all these steps. It's pretty crazy, actually. You know, or something that's so supposed that's, to be so efficient. Yeah, I would think that's kind of right. the opposite. You think yeah. that that We're looking for the day when one bank doesn't have to have an exchange and you can have at your bank the crypto there at your bank. You don't need yeah. to have all these exchanges if you think about it. A universal you know? crypto, yeah. Correct. Okay. Uh, what do you think the signs will be for us laymen out here that aren't as involved as you are on the road 
to coming economic disaster that you foresee? What would be the coming signs? Yeah. What should we be on the lookout for? I'm thinking that uh, history repeats itself. Back in 1930s, you had Roosevelt, who had a bank holiday and declared that gold cannot be used, right? I think that there's coming a bank holiday that would be a stop where everything's halted and they shift to the Fed coin. And it could be as soon as this year. I don't think that the... I don't think the nefarious side wants this vote to happen next year. I think they'll do anything they can to stop it, whether it's war or economy uh, or food or drought, right? Um, we're coming into a, a really interesting time right now where there's a spiritual battle that's more ferocious than we've ever seen. So I say to my people, spend time in the word and really get to know God and Holy Spirit because he is wisdom. And so after the 20 years of reading Proverbs, it gets into you, right? This wisdom. It's given freely, right? Understanding discernment, knowledge, and discernment and uh and wisdom. So today's the second of August, and that was the reading about, you know, the wisdom provides that. I think that uh on the horizon are gonna be some wars on our own soil, unfortunately. Scary to think about that. That we live in a time now where Chinese army is gonna be two hundred million strong. It could walk up the dried up river of Euphrates, which is now dry. I think we're in the book of Revelation right now. Honestly, I think we are in the end of the end days. I think the ark of the door, the door of the ark is starting to shut and we need to get our ark ready fast and um, really walk with the Lord because, you know, these are heavy times right now we're in. Yeah. Okay. So on that note, um, I'm almost out of time here. Just tell us a little bit about your process of I am, I have discovering godly character as your new bottom line, uh, how you came up with that book and what is some lessons you want people to take away from that after reading it. Thank you so much for asking. So Music City Roofers was the company I started in my bedroom. I scaled it to be an eight figure company with 50 employees. And through those years, I uh, gave my speeches on Tuesdays and Fridays. And I came to find out that you know, if you want to increase your bottom line, it starts with character. So I actually prayed the prayer. I said, Lord, why don't we have revival? And he said, why don't you start with character first? Because godly character could bring that holiness, right? Get close to the Lord. So uh, I went through a 40-day challenge where I took uh, a character trait, you know, like compassion. And uh, each day of the 40 days would be a different character trait, integrity, compassion, love, these different things. So I, in my book, I take you through a journey of character and by the end of the book you have a flywheel in the back of the book the flywheel of all the 40 character traits the end is legacy and what does legacy mean carrying it on for the next generation first number one is salvation and i explain what that means so it's 15 minutes a day with the lord the definition of the character word the declaration of it and in a little passage meditation of it and so i love doing those sort of books because it's interactive and then you have have H A V E and that acronym. You have to write out what are you having? What do you have in life today? What do you appreciate in life? What are you victorious in in your life? And what are you expectant for in faith? So you meditate on that. You write it in your journal. And at the end of the forty days, you've gone through your character uh, module, if you will, because wisdom. Yeah, because if you see, wisdom is more important than riches, right? It's not about money. It's about wisdom. That's what the book of Proverbs talks about. What does Solomon ask for? He asked God for understanding and wisdom, right? 
rather than riches. And because he asked for that, God gave him both. So that's what I'm on a quest for. I don't have it down yet. I'm ankle deep in it. Uh, I'm 60 years old this year and I'm helping people create their arc. So if they go to jeffrichfield.com, I'd love to talk with people and consult with them and just see if we can help each other. Do you have a social media presence you want to shout out to or anything else? Because we are at the end here. Thank you so much. I mean, my Facebook is just Jeff Richfield and uh, the social media presence. I can be better at that, I guess. My website is pretty much the landing page, jeffrichfield.com. No T-R-I-C-H-F-I-E-L-D. So Jeff means God's peace in a rich field. So I had the 70 acres called Eagle's Landing. We're building a land of compassion, which is seven prayer cabins in the woods, calling on God for night and day revival. And we're building gardens out there. It's going to be a community of faith. Come see us sometime. Very cool. All right. Well, thanks again for coming on with us and sharing your information. Really appreciate it. Hey, I really appreciate being on the show. And I pray God bless you guys and that this will go out into the airwaves and that it will go around and saturate people's ears and make a difference in their lives, that you're changing people's lives for the better in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. If you're like me and sick of the woke, unfunny content coming out of Hollywood these days and looking for something new and exciting, I found the website for you, movienight.com. The folks at movienight.com, that's movienight, one word, .com, has the first universal loyalty program that offers businesses like yours the opportunity to attract customers with their exclusive lineup of world-class titles. Titles like Daddy Daughter Trip with Rob Schneider, Triumph with Terrence Howard, and Nefarious, last year's blockbuster hit. Movie Night was founded to positively impact society through media. Check it out at movienight.com and enjoy the show. I don't Welcome to the Steve and Steve segment of our show. Normally don't get prayed for on air. Usually get prayed for before and during on the breaks, but that was nice to actually record it. So um, I think we recorded it. Did we? Yes, we did. Yes, okay. we did. Yes, we did. Well, welcome back, where we cover what we just heard. Producer Steve, what do you think of our guest, Jeff Richfield, author of I Am, I Have, Discovery, Godly Character as Your New Bottom Line. Oh, I like it. And I like all the things and he, that he's involved with. And Steve, what's an interesting thing is people don't know, I, I also produce other podcasts for other people, and one of them is a group called The Flame Newspaper. I know, they're and, always in my way, in my slot. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> this morning we had a gal who's from uh, AZ Saves America, and she's a, uh, a gal that's on fire and has proven that um, Arizona politics is corrupt as anywhere else. And But she is behind getting people prepped and ready and living in the kingdom. And the gals have been on a, um, Nicole and Anna have been on a roll to really understand our, our place in the kingdom. And I've been on a roll and there's other people within the, the, the kingdom of God that are really on a roll to understand that we live in a spiritual realm and not a physical realm and that we need to 
grasp that and apply that and make it a part of who we are. So my whole platform, which I haven't really launched other than my Substack, Steve Johan um, on Substack, is to live in the lion zone and is to live as we were born to be living, which is empower and wisdom. And I love wisdom, Steve, because I've been a student of wisdom for over 30 years. I spend day, every almost every day in Proverbs. And it's interesting because in the New Testament, it says that Jesus embodies wisdom. And then you go, oh, there's nothing new here. Wisdom is God. Wisdom, Jesus, is the manifestation of wisdom. So when and you're supposed to be in Jesus, right? So in yeah. wisdom, it makes all the sense in the world. You got it. Yeah, and that's and what we're working on. We've been working on it for over years just to get wiser than we were this morning. So That's right, they, which is exposing yeah. the corruption, exposing the evil, exposing the plans, and then coming back with the power of God in educational, powerful ways to implement in our everyday life. And that's what this is all about, educating, inspiring, and, and, and um, telling people, become an active. And uh, don't sit on your laurels and say, I listened to this podcast. I, I, I did something. No, yeah. when and you Jeff think, is trying to be the, the the modern day Noah for a flood that he sees coming. So yeah. it's very, very happy Spiritual to have him flood. here. Do you listen to country music anymore? To be honest, I've never been a big, it's just not one of my genres. Occasionally I will tune in. I've written yeah. some country western lyrics because it's pretty easy for me to do that kind of thing. They're sitting in my computer with my other lyrics. Um, well, do you know how many albums you have to sell to go platinum? A million, because I believe right. 500,000 is gold, a right. million is platinum. Do you know who Jason Aldean is? Yes. His 2010 album, My Kind of Party, is certified quadruple platinum. So that's four million, right? Four million. Ten albums, 40 singles. His 2012 Night Train is double platinum. So I guess that would be two million. That's like impossible to do these days with streaming. So anyway, he's really successful. I can definitely say that. He released this new song last month, and of course it's country and pretty patriotic about not bringing mob riots to a small town. Of course, that theme is verboten these days. Um, so anyway, comedian David Lucas hit back on Monday at critics who complained that country music star Jason Aldean's newest song, Try That in a Small Town, is racist. Lucas, who grew up in the same small town where Aldean was born, Macon, Georgia, said in a new video that he cannot understand how the song is being painted as racist. Let's listen to that. Clip and um, this is a, a very patriotic song. I don't know how it's painted to be racist. And I think this is just another way that people are trying to continue the racial divide between races. When there is no racism, well, there may be a small, minute amount of racism, but the racism that they try to paint in the mainstream media is not accurate. I go across the whole country. Uh, I traveled the world and I've yet to experience all this racism that people try to say happens. Uh, I'm a black guy with dreadlocks and tattoos and my shows are 90 to 95% white. Uh, if that's what racism looks like, give me more of it. <laughs> I want more racism. If racism means support, people coming to see me, helping me feed my kids and helping me sustain the life, then I love racism. Um, there's no reason. So, so what happened when they tried to shame and cancel Jason? 
The song itself debuted at number 35 on Billboard's Hot Country Songs chart and fizzled out of the top 50. Then he dropped the controversial music video eight weeks after the song's release, and the country star is having a historic run for more than one reason on the music charts. Streams from the single jumped 999% after the music video's release, and the song sold 228,000 copies. It was enough to help the track land at number two on the all-genre Billboard Hot 100, giving Aldean the biggest pop hit of his career and only following behind the heavily promoted launch of BTS star Jungkook's single Seven. Sorry, don't know who that is or what that is. But a week, <laughs> But a week later... Try That in a Small Town, continued to dominate through streams and sales, reaching the number one spot on the Hot 100 on the country charts. The song is Aldine's first number one hit in nearly a decade. That is called the Streisand effect. You ever heard of that? Named after a star is born, Barbara Bab Streisand, who didn't want her house in Malibu photographed by paparazzi and made a complaint to all the press about it. So what do you know? It generated enough interest and bang, everybody with a camera was suddenly taking a picture of it to see what's the big secret about. My interview with John Rich was the exact same thing. He released a song on True Social, never heard of before by most people. The critics yelled about it and he got himself a number one. Oops, you could pretty much create a business model around it now, like clockwork. I'm sure those good old boys, John and Jason, had that somewhere in their mind when they did this, but go woke, go broke. We say a lot here, but well, go base get bank is true too like for many action there is an equal and oppor- opposite reaction try that in a small town did exactly that okay next this is how a dictator takes power away from the people promises them free education healthcare, and equality in exchange for private property clip number two people don't understand how north korea became what it is in the 1940s kim Il-sung came to north korean people saying like injustice that there are rich people and there are poor peasants. If you give me your land and your freedom of movement and freedom of speech, I'm going to give you free education, free health care, free housing, free food. And I'm going to make every, all of you be equal and happy. The equality of outcomes made us to bought that idea. And once Kim Il-sung took all our private property and land and rights, he did not give us anything back. He enslaved us. So this idea where the college should be free, housing should be free, why they want free things? Like nothing is free in the world. People... Margal, right? That's a North Korean survivor right there. Examples of censorship under the Nazis included closing down or taking over anti-Nazi newspapers, controlling what news appeared in newspapers on the radio and in newsreels, banning and burning books that the Nazis categorized as un-German, controlling what soldiers wrote home during World War II. Sound familiar? Okay, but America is often or has been a force for good. That's why I love it. We won World War II from fascism, won the Cold War with from communism. We are supposed to be all about life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. Who could be against that, right? Justice Department helping train Ukrainians in gathering evidence of environmental harm from Russian invasion. Wait, what? The taxpayer-funded DOJ is helping another country, Ukraine, the most corrupt place on earth, gather environmental harm evidence, like to make a case of a crime? Evidence of what? Against who? Let's read on here. 
Earlier this month in Krakow, Poland, representatives from the Justice Department's Environment and Natural Resource Division's ENRD Environmental Crime Section, did you know they had one, and the EPA's Office of Criminal Enforcement Forensics and Training, OCEFT, did you know that they had one, in partnership with the Justice Department's War Crimes Accountability Team, all taxpayer funded all the way down, turtles all the way down, conducted a week-long training for 24 Ukrainian prosecutors and environmental enforcement investigators. The program's objective was to provide participants with the necessary skills, knowledge, and techniques to gather evidence of environmental harm that will allow Ukraine to prosecute potential war crimes and related law violations committed during the Russian Federation's invasion of Ukraine. The training was a combination of classroom lectures and practical field exercises focused on sample gathering techniques, sample plan development, and use of field monitoring equipment. Reminds me of when Her Highness Randy Weingarten went to Ukraine to sell educational software for remote learning in a war zone on teachers' unions' dues dime. Crazy. Pursuant to that agreement, ENRD and OCEFT, OCEFTA, have provided requested assistance to Ukraine as it explores avenues to hold Russia accountable for the environmental toll of its unlawful invasion. Forget, forget the war crimes, forget the murders, forget the rapes. For, let's, let's get them for polluting the, muddle, the mud puddles. Good luck with that. So this is nuts. The Mid-Valley Times reported earlier this week that a COVID lab run by a shady Chinese company is operating in Reedley, California in the San Joaquin Valley and has been illegally operated since October 2022 by Wang Zholin of Prestige Biotech, and the lab was used to produce COVID-19 tests and pregnancy tests. Had you heard about this? Have you heard about this? No, of course not, because you don't you watch CNN and you're never going to learn anything from it. Yeah, what now? So Reedley officials and personnel from CDPH and FCDPH, this is the executed executed a warrant on March 16th to inspect the warehouse at 850 I Street, Mid-Valley Times reported. According to a declaration from Humero Prado, Assistant Director of Fresno County Public Health, which was filed in Superior Court, investigators discovered that one room of the warehouse was used to produce COVID-19 and pregnancy tests. In other rooms, investigators found blood, tissue, and other bodily fluid samples. They also found thousands of vials that contained unlabeled fluids. And they found 900 genetically engineered mice engineered to catch and carry COVID-19 living in inhumane conditions, I'm sure. 773 of the mice had been euthanized and officials found another 178 mice already dead. From May 2nd through May 4th, the useless CDC's division of select agents and toxins inspected 851 I Street. Court documents confirm the useless CDC found potentially infectious agents at the location. These included both bacterial and viral agents, including chlamydia, E. coli, streptococcus pneumonia, hepatitis B and C, herpes 1 and 5, and rubella. The useless CDC also found samples of malaria. Court documents identified Zi Quin Yao as the alleged president of prestige, neither Reedley nor FCDPH, must be Fresno County Department of Health, 
was able to obtain from Yao any substantive information regarding prestige or why infectious agents and mice were being stored at 850 I Street, other than to say that the company was developing diagnostic testing kits. Court documents include copies of an email exchange Prado conducted with David He, who identified himself as a representative of Prestige, beginning May 31st and continuing through June 13th. Over the course of numerous emails, Prado repeatedly asked He to provide documentation regarding licensed medical waste disposal, Prestige reasons for storing infectious agents, and how the company will respond to the biological abatement orders handed down by FCDPH. Quote, they, Prestige, completely avoided the question, Prado said. This individual, he, was either unaware or was intentionally trying to mislead us. In February 2020, oh, you think? In February 2021, thousands of inconclusive test results coming out of Gavin Newsom's $100 million COVID-19 testing lab with the $1.7 billion contract with Perkins Elmer. Is anything about the COVID-19 virus true? Or is this the biggest political manipulation this country has ever seen? Good question, USSANews.com and Midvale Times, where I got that gem. Danced and judged and yes, lied. We used to not use that word in politics. Walking, talking, epitome of tyrant. Remember that phrase. Check this out. Mayorkas, I actually really want to thank you as well for coming here today, for your performance I have watched with absolute fascination as you have danced and dodged and lied. Yes, lied. We know you've lied. You know you've lied. But more importantly, the American public knows that you lied throughout your testimony today. And yet you believe that you and your fellow architects of the censorship industrial complex think that you should be able to determine what is and isn't true and what is and isn't untrue. You are the walking, talking epitome of the very tyrant that our forefathers recognized would gravitate towards government service. And it is because of people like you that they drafted the First Amendment. I thank them for their foresight. I thank them for recognizing that you and people like you would do everything in your power to control speech, to control freedom, to take away our rights. And they've written a document that isn't going to allow you to do that. Unfortunately, we still have courts and judges who recognize that you don't have the power that you are attempting to take, that you do not have the right to limit our freedom of speech, our freedom of association, our right to communicate. Thank God we have the First Amendment so that we can stop you from doing what you've been doing. Yeah. Congresswoman Harriet Hageman, Wyoming, lit into Mayorkas in epic fashion. She took Liz Cheney's job. Wyoming got lucky. Not only did we use to not use the word lie regarding politicians like she did because he did pre-Clinton era, but dismember and kill wasn't very common either. The Chino Valley, California Unified School District, CVUSD, Savusta, Board of Education's new parental notification policy on transgender students is getting backlash from some community members who have reportedly launched death threats against the board president. The policy adopted with a four-to-one decision last week requires the principal slash designee, certified staff, and school counselors to, within three days of becoming aware of the preference, notify parents of a student's decision to identify with a gender that does not directly correspond with their biological sex, 
use different pronouns or a different name or use locker rooms and or restrooms that do not correspond with their biological gender. Days later, CVUSD President Sanja Shah told Washington Watch with Tony Perkins that a death threat against her came through on an anonymous phone call the day after the decision. The next morning, our district got a call. A lot of things were said, but one thing was very clear. This person was going to kill me, and they said they were going to dismember my body parts, my limbs more specifically, Shaw told the show on Monday. Quote, thank God we have an amazing police department who jumped on it right away. Hours later, she checked her district email and found it inundated with threats. Things like, you're going to die with other inappropriate words. Your children are going to die. Your animals are going to die. Shaw continued telling the show that those behind the threats noted the types of animals she has. Members of Antifa also declared war on her, she said. They really want to indoctrinate our kids. Uh, they know they have to bust the family and parents. Vicious. Ugh. Next story. The number of Michigan police officers has plummeted 19% since 2001. Staff shortages are leading to fewer traffic patrols and mandated overtime leading to possible burnout. Departments are stepping up advertising to compete for recruits, and the state is offering financial incentives. In 1992, early in his law enforcement career, Larry Weeks applied for one of 16 openings in the Grand Rapids Police Department. There were 250 applicants. Three decades later, Weeks is the police chief in mid-Michigan's Eaton Rapids and can't find people who want to be police officers. He had five vacancies out of 10 full-time positions in 2022, sorry, 2020, he now has eight officers, but still being short two employees means the chief has to pick up the occasional weekend graveyard shift along with his managerial duties. Hmm, should have thought of that before defunding the police. Now, this is a voicemail that was sent to Louisiana State Senator, Senator Mike Fessy after he voted to override Governor John Bell Edwards's veto on the bill to ban child sex changes in which LSU professor Marcus Venable calls him a fat uh, piece of uh, and says, I can't wait to read your name in the uh, obituary. I will make a uh, martini made from the tears of uh, hurt conservatives when we put your uh, uh in the ground. Okay, kids, if you're in the car, with mom and dad put on your earmuffs this is some foul language alert but i mean he's an lsu professor so must have thought it through right clip number four i just wanted to say congratulations to our state senator big mike facey and that fucking moron voted to make things worse for people who are already suffering you fat fucking piece of shit you did not produce any goddamn evidence to support the claims you made about people being harmed by transgender care Yet we have tons of empirical evidence showing that it's an increased suicide risk when people don't get this care. So you, you big fat-headed motherfucker, I can't wait to read your name in the fucking obituary. I will make a goddamn martini made from the tears of butthurt conservatives when we put your fucking ass in the ground. You fat fucking useless piece of shit. Fuck you. I hope you have a terrible day.
I hadn't heard the talking point about making a martini out of tears before, but that's a good one. I'll, I'll remember that for the future. But uh, it's not good to leave threatening voice recordings, Marcus, that can be used against you in a court of law. The way they found out it was him, by the way, is Senator Fessy, an elected official, reported it to the sheriff who tracked his number. Not so smart at LSU, I'd say. Okay, one more clip. This time, a young male. We interviewed Chloe Cole, a young female, detransitioning and that whole nightmare and speaking out to warn kids against it. Don't do it. Hopefully you've taken the earmuffs on, off by now and are listening. A young male this time who formally identified as a trans woman who was castrated and became a patient for life, quote unquote, as part of, quote unquote, gender affirming care, wants to warn others not to follow in his footsteps. He discussed his story of resilience and learning to accept himself for who he is for the first time, clip number five. Estrogen when I was 16, lived that way until really a couple of months ago, two months ago. Um, and then I got my surgery at 19, my castration. I was expecting it to like help me, help my mental health. Um, and it, it didn't do anything. I, I just wasted so much time. Uh, and all I did really was become a medical patient for life. Is that it? No closing statement? Okay. All right. Well, don't do it. Stay tuned for my thoughts of the day. With Columbia, Tennessee-based EnergizeHealth.com, you lose fat fast, simply and naturally, without restrictive exercise or cardboard dry, tasteless food. Revolutionize your health with this proprietary 88-day science from John and Chelsea Jubilee, People report getting off medications and reversing ailments. Energy, mental clarity, and alertness go through the roof. Look and feel many years younger and oftentimes unrecognizable. I know. I'm an alumnus and lost 70 pounds of fat with John and Chelsea and wouldn't have energy to do three shows a week without it. Hit the link in show notes for your free consultation and discount. Money back guarantee so you have nothing to lose but unhealthy fat. EnergizedHealth.com. Okay, this is Todd and Jesse Camp, and we are formerly management of Donaldson Bowling Center, Nashville's oldest lanes, and you are listening to the Mill Creek View Tennessee Podcast. Welcome to my quotes for the day. But before I share, I would remind everyone to subscribe to Mill Creek View Podcasts with an S. That's Tennessee, Washington, and now Florida. Just go to Rumble or Spotify or iTunes, search for Mill Creek View and hit the subscribe button and follow us so you don't miss a thing. And be sure to check out our new business show, The CEO Special, where I, CEO of MCV, interview great business folks doing good business. I really hope you like it. This is certainly no time for weak men, weak messages, and weak ministries. What is needed is moral strength and courage and uncompromising proclamation of the truth that will set people free. Nice. Listen to this one. We don't seek to escape this life by dreaming of heaven, but we do find we can endure this life because of the certainty of heaven. Heaven is eternal. Earth is temporal. Those who fix all their affections on the fleeting things of this world are the real escapist because they are vainly attempting to avoid facing eternity by hiding in the fleeting shadows of things that are only transient. Yep. One more today. 
Scripture repeatedly makes clear that heaven is a realm of unsurpassed joy, unfading glory, undiminished bliss, unlimited delights, and unending pleasures. Nothing about it can possibly be boring or humdrum. It will be a perfect existence. We will have unbroken fellowship with all heaven's inhabitants. Life there will be devoid of any sorrows, cares, tears, fears, or pain. Who said all that to us? John MacArthur, the pastor teacher of Grace Community Church, as well as the author, conference speaker, chancellor of the Master's University and Seminary and feature teacher with the Grace to You Media Ministry. John has written nearly 400 books and study guides, including Our Sufficiency in Christ, Strange Fire, Ashamed of the Gospel, The Murder of Jesus, A Tale of Two Sons, Twelve Ordinary Men, The Truth War, The Jesus You Can't Ignore, Slave, One Perfect Life, and the MacArthur New Testament commentary series. John's titles have been translated into more than two dozen languages. The MacArthur Study Bible, the cornerstone resource of his ministry, is available in English, Spanish, Russian, German, French, Portuguese, Italian, Arabic, and Chinese. That's it for this episode. Thank you, Jeff Richfield, for your willingness to dare to be an example today by stepping out on water with Jesus. Until next time, this is your hope. This is your host, Steve Abramowitz. Editor-in-Chief of mcview.us, peace in our time, and G2G. or opinions represented on the podcast are personal and belong solely to the creator and do not represent those of people, institutions, or organizations that the creator may or may not be associated with in a professional or personal capacity unless explicitly stated.